We delight in the beauty of the butterfly, but rarely admit the changes it has gone through to achieve that beauty. Maya Angelou. So the big question is, how do women over 40 like us keep weight off, have great energy, balance our hormones and our moods, feel sexy and confident, and master midlife? If you're like most of us, you're not getting the answers you need and remain confused and pretty hopeless to ever feel like yourself again. As an OBGYN, I had to discover for myself the truth about what creates a rock-solid metabolism, lasting weight loss, and supercharged energy after 40 in order to lose 100 pounds and fix my fatigue. Now I'm on a mission. This podcast is designed to share the natural tools you need for impactful results and to give you clarity on the answers to your midlife metabolism challenges. Join me for tangible natural strategies to crush the hormone imbalances you're facing and help you get unstuck from the sidelines of life. My name is Dr. Kieran Dunstan. Welcome to the Hormone Prescription Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Hormone Prescription Podcast with Dr. Kieran. You're going to love my guest today. She is an expert in women's cardiac function and lipids, and she actually wrote a book on the topic. I know a lot of you are thinking, oh, this doesn't relate to hormones, but yes, it does, because everything relates to hormones when it comes to (laughs) women's health. And really, heart disease is the number one killer of women over 50. So it's something you really need to know about. It's often a neglected topic. So without further ado, I will tell you a little bit about Dr. Beverly Yates, and then we will get started. She's done a lot of stuff, ladies. So her bio is very substantial. So here we go. Dr. Beverly Yates, naturopathic doctor, is a diabetes expert and author who has over 28 years of experience of working with those who struggle with blood sugar issues related to type 2 diabetes and prediabetes and feel like nothing works for them. She uses her systems engineering background as an MIT electrical engineer in combination with her naturopathic medicine skills to help people achieve and maintain blood sugar control. Dr. Yates is an internationally recognized speaker and expert in the field of diabetes and heart disease. She is a published author of Heart Health for Black Women, A Natural Approach to Healing and Preventing Heart Disease, and co-author of multiple books, including one with Jack Canfield, The Soul of Success, Volume 2. By addressing the lifestyle factors that trigger blood sugar spikes, Dr. Yates creates breakthrough changes in the habits that cause blood sugar issues. This allows her clients to finally get off of the blood sugar roller coaster, have more energy, and create the level of health that lets them live the life of their dreams. She is the creator of the Yates Protocol, a simple and effective lifestyle-based program for people who have type 2 diabetes or prediabetes to lower blood sugar levels achieve healthy A1C and fasting blood sugar levels, and have more energy to live life the way they want to. She's worked with thousands of people, helping them to lower their blood sugar levels to a healthy range and get control over their health. Dr. Yates is on a mission to help 3 million people heal from type 2 diabetes and prediabetes. She is hosting an amazing summit next summer. Dr. Beth? Yep, the summer at the end of July. That's right. End of July that you don't want to miss. She was chosen as the lead doctor for a new three-doctor panel TV show on ABC TV. And they did not green light the series, but I know another TV show is in your future, Dr. Bev. Uh, Dr. (laughs) Yates has been featured in the media, including ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, NPR, Black News Channel, Fox, Sirius XM, Mind Body Green, Essence Magazine, Good Housekeeping, 
Woman's World, Reader's Digest, Rodell Press, and more. Welcome, Dr. Ev Gates. <laughs> wow, what a lovely intro. Thank you so much, Dr. Karen, for your invitation to be a part of here with your group and also to you know explore a topic that is just, it really just needs to be on everyone's mind. Frankly, there's other um, illnesses that people are far more aware of, and they don't understand that heart disease is still far and away the number one reason why people leave this earth early who live here in the U.S. <laughs> it is so true. But if you go online, like on social media, everywhere, you find minuscule, mini, mini information on heart disease, yeah. particularly in women. And you find all kinds of information about other issues. You know, and when I ask myself why that is, this is what I think. Tell me what you think. That people really think that, oh, my doctor's got that covered. I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to look for that on social media. Yeah. And it's also silent. And, you know, I've diagnosed so many women probably like you have with, you know, coronary artery blockage from a coronary calcium scan. So can you talk a little bit about that a little bit more? Why we need to be concerned, why we're not concerned and why we're not hearing about this? Yeah, that's a great intro. Let's take back the covers here and have a look. Heart disease is one of those silent processes where by the time it's clear and someone's symptomatic, the process has been in place for years, if not decades, right? Just like diabetes, it tends to sneak up on people. And unless they have clear testing, clear assessment, you know, some kind of a, a rational testing process, diagnostic imaging, looking at blood markers, et cetera, they may not have any idea that they're even at risk, never mind that they're actually perhaps in trouble. And there are some really famous examples of this, right? If any of you were watching, there was a TV show called The Biggest Loser, one of the lead traders. He had a heart attack and he happened to have the heart attack in a gym with other people around. He wasn't home on his own or out on a trail. Thank goodness for him because it saved his life. People could immediately respond, you know, a 911, emergency vehicle, and take to the hospital, et cetera. And long story short, turned out he had very unfriendly kind of cholesterol. And that's what dropped him like a rock. A lot of people have this misperception. And I really want to make this point clear. For women, men, anyone, people have this misperception that if you lead a healthy lifestyle, you will avoid problems. It's not true. It's not that simple, don't we wish? And if you have a genetic risk from your family, if you have a lifestyle or a past set of chronic stresses or traumas, they can all set you up for heart disease that could potentially be lethal. Like I said, causes people to leave this earth sooner than they otherwise might. It really can be deadly. And the way it sets up is, is pretty silent. There's some good news to be had around this too, especially for women. But meanwhile, we all have to do what we can. And I think one of the reasons we don't hear about this is that selling you the solution after the problem for really expensive heart surgery to have your chest cracked open and have your heart replumbed and other things like that is just worth so much more money than the things that you could do well before that's ever needed. It will never, ever have that huge expense. I mean, I know people who've had that kind of surgery and the bills that they have, at least in the U.S., where we don't have a single-payer healthcare system, <laughs> devastating. Yeah, you know, you just blow up people's economics yeah. unless they were already wealthy. It's just not sustainable, that whole situation. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is it's generally over $100,000. Easily. Right. Now, but this <laughs> idea of that it's more lucrative, and I, I know some people are like, oh, what are you saying? Yes, we have a for-profit medical system, y'all. Mm -hmm. If you didn't know that, we do. So it's profits off of you getting being sicker and needing more intervention, not being healthy. What do women need to know? Because 
I have picked up so many women. You know, I was not when I practiced, you know, regular medicine, a cardiologist by any means. Mm-hmm. But when I started on this path and I learned about some options that aren't standard of care, like coronary calcium scanning, I started sending all my at-risk women for it. And I literally would have some women, they would call from the center and say, she has, you know, almost complete blockage in all three arteries and we would send her to the ER and she ended up with a stent or a bypass and her life was saved, but it's not even recognized in mainstream medicine. So because it's this silent killer and women don't even know, how can they protect themselves? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, even today in 2022, it is not necessarily the standard of care that insurance companies will pay for a coronary calcium scan. Right. And any depending on where you live, that scan could cost you somewhere between $75 to $300. And for some people, it can be life-saving. If it determines that there's a blockage, you know, off to the cath lab you go, or maybe it's time to have your chest cracked. But at least it was before you had that coronary failure, that myocardial infarction, a heart attack that can drop you like a rock and potentially kill you, right? Mm-hmm. And even if the heart attack doesn't kill you, the clots that form after it might. There's a whole series of things that can go wrong. For women in particular, we do have some advantages compared to men from a hormonal point of view. So I want to make sure we we have balanced information that we leave with a good upbeat note because, you know, people take action as long as they don't feel completely flattened, like it's hopeless. It's not hopeless. So when we go through menopause, obviously a lot of our hormones shift and change, right? Much of that conversation starts, though, before the time of actual menopause, aging of all kinds that conversation in your body really starts to shift somewhere between the ages of 38 to 42. And at that point, somewhere between age 38 to age 42, about 1% to 4% shift per year. Now, if you are comfortable with money and finances, think about it if you have a bank account of some kind or an investment account, and it changes, it goes down by 1% to 4% per year. That's really going to be shrinking. So your health is starting to shift from the point of view of aging. So you want to then start to manage and and boost your aging conversation so you can live long and live well. When it comes to cardiovascular health and making sure that your heart has what it needs and the rest of your cardiovascular system, it's just so, so important to have a healthy lipid profile, to have the fractions be at a good ratio to each other, and to not have issues with the blood vessels that feed the heart. Those are called the coronary vessels, coronary meaning heart vessels, right? Coronary artery and its main branches, both the left anterior ascending and then there's a descending one. You want to make sure that's open. And you would think that the simple scans that are inexpensive would be covered by insurance. They are typically not. But I think it's well worth it, you know, to spend that 75 to $300, depending on where you live, to get that coronary calcium scoring. That's one, one idea, right? And you can call around and shop around. You know, when you call hospitals and outpatient centers, et cetera, probably less expensive in an outpatient center compared to a hospital. Hospital has much bigger overhead as you might expect, but it's worth making that call to find out. It would be lovely if we had almost like a DoorDash equivalent for health so we could just look it up on an app and know how much will it cost me if I have to pay for this out of pocket, if my insurance company won't pay for mm-hmm. it, right? That level of transparency is missing in the medical system. And I cannot think of another important life system that is allowed to operate with so much mystery, so much mystery outside of something by, controlled by gangsters. I can't think of a thing that gets away with that. I really can't. And in today's so true. it couldn't be easier, right, to make this transparent. Why is it so hard? You know, I've had times yeah. like uh, I remember once when one of my kids needed surgery for something and I called around to get an idea 
what would the out-of-pocket cost be? The time they were much younger, you know, we're trying to pay for school, it's any other thing. And I could not get anything on anybody. And it was really crazy. I mean, I knew all the ICD codes, the CPT codes. I had all the numbers, right? All the big words. And, and the people who were answering the phones were like, I have no idea. I don't have any way to tell you. I didn't feel like they were lying or withholding. It's true. I didn't understand it either. It was clearly coming from someone unrelated to the people who answer the phones or the emails. But you're right. It's like shopping on Canal Street in New York. It's like no prices on anything. How much is that bag? And they'll be, they'll, they'll kind of size you up and go for you three hundred seventy five dollars. Right, right, right. You're shopping for jewelry um, in New York. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're a tourist anywhere in the world, and they think you might be from the U.S. You know, the price went up. So yeah, I got that. <laughs> Right. So just as a public PSA, we might save some women's lives today. Can you tell everyone what a coronary calcium scan is and that their doctor's not going to order this for them? And you can maybe help me understand why that is um, <laughs> that they can like I've said people sometimes I've seen Groupons for them for like eighty nine dollars and you can go get it and it can save your life. But your doctor's not going to order it. Can you tell them what it what it is? <laughs> Yeah, so a coronary calcium scan is an imaging, a simple imaging, where your body scans, specifically your chest, to capture your heart. And it's looking at your heart, it's looking at the chambers of the heart, and it's looking at the blood vessels that feed the heart, particularly the ones that sit right on the top surface here, the coronary arteries, right? Those are the blood vessels that are dedicated to the heart. They're going nowhere else. They're simply making sure the, the heart has its own blood supply so it can do that amazing vital work. You know, your heart is working for you 24-7. Your heart has relative rest when you're sleeping because you're not putting active demand on it. But let's get real, like your ankles or your shoulders, the heart doesn't really stop. When it stops, you're dead. You don't want it to stop. This is why blood pressure being lower, other things, this gives the heart a way to rest. That lower blood pressure number, for instance, the diastolic numbers, like if your blood pressure is 120 over 80, that 80, the lower number is critical. That's your heart at rest. Again, it never really stops. So it has to be able to relax. If you can't relax, things aren't good. So if the blood vessels that feed the heart are compromised, if they're gummed up for any reason, they're plugged up with coronary calcification stuck onto, say, blood lipids that have now um, turned into like a tumbleweed in, in the blood, so to speak, or a Velcro ball. Yeah, let's, let's use the Velcro ball image. Like a Velcro ball, right, is going to compromise the flow of blood into the heart and then back out. The fresh blood coming in with oxygen and then used up blood coming back out. Nutrients in, waste products out, that's what the compromise is about. And after a certain amount of blockage, that's usually when people become symptomatic. Maybe they're short of breath for no particular reason. Any exertion at all is exhausting. They might find they have chest pain, yes or no. And for women, the presentation of chest pains is very different than it is for men frequently. Women often do not have the stereotypical clutching their heart, falling to the floor. I think I'm having a heart attack scenario that we see on a television or in a movie. Instead, it can be odd, subtle symptoms. Like maybe she has unusual extended experience of heartburn that might be kind of new for her or some kind of pain in the abdominal area. Maybe she has pain radiating up to the left side of her jaw. Maybe she just has pain into the jaw. Maybe she's got pain to her shoulder. It might be on the left side. It might not. It might be on the right side. It can be very confusing. Almost all the time when women have heart attacks, they'll say, I didn't feel well. I felt profoundly unwell. Mm -hmm. That's usually the most presenting symptom. And so it's kind of easy to get that overlooked. Some of the good work we've had here in a local community has meant that a local hospital has this giant poster up as you come in 
to the lobby talking about women and heart health and presenting differently with heart attack symptoms. They've done a really good job. I'd like to think maybe I've influenced that, but I'm pleased mm -hmm. when the public is reached. So why in the world wouldn't your primary care doctor or the cardiologist or whomever you're seeing not seem to know about this calcium scoring or tell you about it? Frankly, it's not part of their training. It's still considered perspective or experimental or research, controversial, whatever. It's not condoned in terms of conventional medicine. And as such, insurance companies do not feel required to pay for it. It hasn't yet gotten to that status of being part of the standard of care. And so people will look at you often with a side eye and they will not prescribe it or recommend it. You can go and get these things yourself in many communities. I try not to overstate what's available because it used to be, for instance, something as simple as blood work was not available outside of a doctor's prescription. That's no longer true. Now you can get your own labs wherever you want. So people can be independent and not everyone has necessarily a primary care doctor. So in the case of a coronary calcium score, what it's doing is with imaging, in this case, digital x-ray imaging, is it's looking at those blood vessels that feed the heart to see whether or not there's any blockage or occlusion is the word they would use. O-C-C-L-U-S-I-O-N, occlusion. And in the absence of a blockage or occlusion, right, then you're good in terms of whether or not the heart is getting what it needs for blood flow. Now, can we talk about another aspect of this that usually isn't put together? Is that okay? Please. All right. Absolutely. There's stress echocardiograms. Now, from the point of view of a cardiologist, this is something I happen to agree with them on. A stress echo, as it's called and more, you know, familiarly, a stress echocardiogram, in my opinion, is a gold standard. What that is, is it's an ultrasound test and the ultrasonic waves are what's creating the echo in the cardio, the heart gram. So you're measuring what the ultrasound waves can see out of the heart. And it's a functional stress load test. So typically, the stress echo is done with the ultrasound head right at your heart, right around the level of your breast or just under your breast. If you are a woman with larger breast mass, this could be one of the most awkward tests you will have in your life, worse than a mammogram in some ways, to be clear, but worth it, okay? All right, women, I'm just I'm talking to us right now. <laughs> Fellas, do not go through all this drama. So with the ultrasound head there, and you'll have 12 EKG leads all around you, electrocardiogram. That one is recording the electrical activity of the heart. So what they're doing is they're gonna have you initially walk, light load, right? And then you'll walk at a faster speed, faster, faster, faster. You might get all the way to running. What they wanna see is the changes in the heart over time, how it responds to a demand, to work, to a load placed on it. The lovely thing about a stress echocardiogram is that you will get to see all four chambers of the heart. You'll see all the valves flapping or not. And you'll also see one of the most critical sensitive measures you can ever imagine for the function of your heart called LVEF, left ventricular ejection fraction. In plain language, how much blood that has now just been oxygenated from your lungs and has come back to the heart is actually going to go out of that sucker and around the rest of the body to deliver that oxygen. You don't want it all sticking there. So when that ejection fraction gets lower, like significantly under 50, say it's 30%, 25%, 20%, 14%, et cetera. That's where congestive heart failure happens. That's when people get very swollen, they're exhausted, their skin color looks blue or gray relative to their natural level of skin color. They do not look healthy. They're huffing and puffing just sitting there and they often have a lot of swelling that accumulates in their legs because the heart is failing at pumping blood, its primary task. 
So these so, are all very physical things, but that's what's going on. So the stress echo you like as the gold standard for diagnosing coronary artery disease or looking for function of the heart, or what do you like that for? The heart function. Is the heart functioning well? Okay. Make sure it's getting blood in and mm -hmm. the blood is getting back out because it's not doing us any good if the blood's going in and it's not leaving. That's why people have these problems with clots. You see all these medications being promoted for lowering clots, blood thinners, et cetera. This is what's, this is why, right? Heart disease, remember, is number one, and there's different aspects to it. Right, but I know there's some people listening going, Dr. Bev, do I need to ask for a stress echo? As a I think it's a great test. baseline test. I do, especially okay. in your middle life years. I think it's a great baseline. And if you have a history of being an athlete, if you've been athletic, if you are a big, a person who was really big on dancing, anything that was aerobics in nature, some of the more vigorous things I've seen for cheerleading absolutely qualify, as far as I'm concerned, they're athletes too, as well as the individual and team sports, anything that involved running, lifting, resistance, or weight training, I think it's a good idea for you to get that test. Here's why. You will have a natural increased growth called a hypertrophy of that left ventricle wall. Now, some cardio cardiologists will try to tell you that that's a pathology. It is not. It is a normal adaptation to being a sporty, athletic person. Women, we typically have smaller body mass. So you're going to, if you see that, don't freak out. Understand your body probably compensated a long time ago, whenever it was you were in your most physically active periods to those increased demands. The difference is if the left ventricle wall is so thick that it can't move that it's become more rigid so instead of flexing and pumping like this if you watch my hand it's like this it's barely moving that's mm -hmm. the problem right because you can see that's not going to move blood the way this does make sense yes absolutely okay. all right so that's another test let's back up a little and talk about the risk factors mm -hmm. for heart disease sure and you mentioned earlier genetic dyslipidemias can mm -hmm. you talk about what are the risk factors that really need to be addressed and mitigated and then we'll weave that into lipids sure sure yeah. so risk factors one of them is something that's affecting many people right now as we work our way through this pandemic situation and that is sitting too much sitting for throughout the day sitting on an airplane or a bus or a train or whatever it is right extended periods of sitting are a real risk factor so that's one another issue is a complete lack of exercise and any kind of exercise it could be dancing to your favorite music it doesn't mean you have to go to the gym and do some some specific things, right? It's simply movement. The lack of movement is really affecting people. Some other risk factors are very much in the world of nutrition where many of us just don't get enough fiber in our diet. Fiber is a friend for your blood sugar and fiber is a huge friend for having a healthy cholesterol profile. Your blood lipids love that fiber. The healthier ones are more likely to be pronounced when you've got plenty of fiber on board. So green leafy vegetables are a great way to get the fiber. You can have ground flax seeds, if you eat nuts and seeds, those have fiber in them. Fruits, fresh fruits, absolutely. Other kinds of vegetables, not necessarily green ones, all of those food groups have fiber naturally in them. You can take fiber as supplements. You have lots of options, but fiber, I feel, is underappreciated and is so inexpensive. And often it's delicious. <laughs> you know, like, why wouldn't you want this, right? It's yes. a real friend. Absolutely. Smoking is another risk factor. Smoking basically sets your blood vessels on, on fire, if you will. It's a kind of inflammation. 
And the sort of damage that smoking does to blood vessels makes it far more likely that the unfriendly lipids will park in the blood vessels and turn into those Velcro balls I talked about. So the Velcro balls happen, they're looking for a place to land, and they land on the wall of the blood vessel that's been damaged by nicotine, cotinine, and other things that come from smoking cigarettes, smoking other products. So smoking is really a problem. Yes, and the sitting, the smoking, and I know you're going to talk about blood sugar and diabetes, right? Hello. (laughs) Your favorite topic. Absolutely. Blood sugar um, problems where blood sugar rises chronically high and doesn't come back down, or the blood sugar roller coaster for people who go from super high to really low, super high to really low, experience the hangry phenomenon, hungry and angry, who have first too much blood sugar and then not enough. It just plummets like a rock off a cliff. This is a problem, right? It's another risk factor. Here's why. When your body has too much blood sugar, what does that extra blood sugar want to hang on to? Anybody want to guess? Your cells and your arteries. Yep. (laughs) That blood sugar wants to hang on to the proteins in your blood. The proteins belong there, but too much blood sugar does not. And when you have extra blood sugar, it hangs on to those proteins, creates these big old honking molecules called proteoglycans. Today's Word too big for the Wordle game for those of you playing Wordle. <laughs> Proteoglycans, right? Proteoglycan. This tries to get through your tiny little capillaries. Well, it doesn't fit. <laughs> it's too big. And so all of your circulation starts to be compromised. So then when you have the unfriendly fractions of that, of the lipids, they see this mess and want to join in. It's a pylon. <laughs> it just gets bigger and bigger. It's a problem. It's really a problem. Yes. So let's, so the blood sugar is a problem. Definitely got to get that under control and let's segue into the lipids. So let's talk about that. How does that contribute and what testing should be people be having? And let's dive into that. The lipid fractions that we care about, there's the ones that should be on most lab tests. They are HDL, which stands for high density lipid protein. There's LDL, which is low-density lipoprotein. Then there's VLDL, which stands for very low-density lipoprotein. There's some other fractions as well. One of them that is super helpful to know about is called lipoprotein little a, right? So lipoprotein little a. It's either shown as a lowercase a or in parentheses an a after the word lipoprotein, depending on the lab, the lab company's way of doing that call out. And here's the thing. Women typically particularly in midlife and later, this is the one time we really get a bump up, a good one. We often show up with higher amounts of HDL, high-density lipoprotein, and this is good. High-density lipoprotein is buoyant and fluffy. Think of it like beach balls in your blood. It's good. It's not thick into anything. It's kind of like natural Teflon. It's not toxic at all in this case. It's just good for you. It doesn't cause problems. And cholesterol as a large category, is the building block, a substrate for all of the sex hormones. We actually want cholesterol in the body. What we care about is what the body is doing to the cholesterol or or interacting with it. So if you have the presence of other kinds of inflammation, which we'll talk about later, this is where lipid profiles and fractions matter a lot. So if you have lots of HDL, and I have some patients who have high lab numbers, like in the 80s, the 100s, 110s for HDL, that's great. All right, let's talk about LDL. Low-density lipoprotein can be a problem in the presence of inflammation. Same is true for VLDL, very low-density lipoprotein. In the presence of inflammation, it too can be troublesome. LDL is more likely to take people out compared to VLDL. Triglycerides, they too are another fraction of lipids, and they can definitely be problematic, and it's all about inflammation. 
So back to the, where we talked about the biggest loser and one of their trainers, Bob Harper, who, you know, seemed to be amazingly fit and in shape and blah, 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 and still dropped like a rock from a heart attack. Well, it turned out he had an unfriendly cholesterol profile, a very unfriendly one. And again, if he hadn't been in a place where people saw him drop over from a heart attack, he probably would have died because he wouldn't have gotten help fast enough. So then you have to ask yourself, well, wait, how can somebody be that kind of healthy and fit doing all these things they're doing on a spin bike, all this other activity, lifting weights, and still has a heart attack? Because you must, like, I can hear people saying, well, why try? <laughs> I might as well sit on the couch and eat my donuts. You know, at least I'll be happy, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. But you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I do. And I'm trying to think of the name of that famous marathon runner, who also dropped dead from a heart attack. So just because you're physically, you look physically fit doesn't mean that you are. Yeah. So when, when people get a regular lipid profile at their doctors, they usually get what? Total cholesterol, LDL, VLDL, triglyceride, yep. and HDL, correct? Yep. Five things. Correct. But they typically it, don't get lipoprotein little a. Right. And so that's what I was going to say. Is that sufficient? Are, and I just want to let everybody yeah. listening on the podcast know that Dr. Bev is getting ready to give a masterclass to the women in my midlife mastery program. And so that's who she's talking to when she's showing, uh, look, look at my hands and stuff. So I just wanted to let you know that. But is that sufficient for you to properly assess your risk and prevent your risk for heart disease? In my professional opinion, the answer is no, it is not enough. I feel like it's not specific enough. Here's why. I've seen many women over the years in the course of now 30 years of, of clinical practice and growing where they'll come in, their total cholesterol number will be higher than 200. So it's considered elevated or high, right? It automatically falls into the category of at risk. However, a lot of times for these women, especially in midlife and older, it's because their HDL fraction has gone up. The protective good gal, good girl kind of cholesterol, who's like an umbrella in the, in the bloodstream, you know, Teflon. I mean, you, you're, you're not going to have sticky problems if you've got a lot of HDL, right? Right. They've been told, oh, it's high cholesterol. It's time to put you on a statin as a reflexive response, irrespective of anything else about their lifestyle. And it's not, in my opinion, a scientific clinically measured way to go. It doesn't make sense. If your cholesterol profile is dominant with HDL, high density of protein, you mm -hmm. have an unusual amount of protection and that's good. And if mm -hmm. you don't have inflammation, it's even better because now it is highly unlikely. You'd be in a, such a low risk category for a heart attack. Right. You just are. Now, the other way this could go, HDL is low. And VLDL, or more likely LDL, usually LDL and triglycerides will elevate more so than VLDL. That's a problem, especially if you have an inflammatory situation. And to be clear, LDL can rise and often do, often does, or triglycerides when you're stressed. That booger bear stress breaks so many things. And when it comes to lipid profile, we care a lot because stress in the moment for a reason that you burn it off with activity, like you literally had to lift the car off a loved one, you were literally running from a bear, for instance, is okay. It's good for us. It keeps us safe. It can save lives. The problem with stress is when it's chronic and it runs away with us and we're trapped, we feel overwhelmed. And those chemicals surge throughout our body, whether it's cortisol, the primary stress chemical, adrenaline, some other things, right? Neurotransmitters, they all get in the mix. The problem with the chronic level of that now is that it kind of goes around with little pickaxes nicking 
holes, making little pits in the sides of the blood vessels. Once the blood vessels are damaged by being chronically flooded with the stress hormone, this creates those little pockets for certain kinds of the lipid profiles, certain kinds of blood fats to settle into. In particular, it would be lipoprotein little a. It likes that. It likes to sit in those little pockets. And if enough of it builds up, it creates what's called those atheromas or those fatty buildups, those fatty plaques on the walls of the blood vessels. That's where the word atherosclerosis will come from, where it's this process where because the blood vessel's been damaged, now the fats are trying to patch it. And the fat's really hard to find to patch it. That's just a bad patch. And when you get enough of this going on, that what starts out as a small amount becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And so the blood vessel opening that the blood's trying to go through becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, this is super important what you just said about chronic stress. And this is what gets back to the hormones, ladies. I always yeah. say everything leads to hormones. <laughs> so by the time we hit midlife, it's usually not only our sex hormones that have a problem, but this is one of the reasons why we have what we call pathologic menopause in, in America is because our cortisol stress hormone has been struggling for years and usually at midlife really takes a hard hit. Well, while you're having stress, this cortisol is working on your arteries and causing these micro injuries that become a hospitable place for toxic lipoproteins to, to set up shop yep. and start blocking your arteries. So stress is not just a mental health issue. It is a physical issue. I just want to highlight this. All roads lead to hormones it's super important. Yeah. Dr. Beverly is getting ready to finish doing a masterclass with the ladies in the program, but I want to go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Sure. What do you like to leave everyone with? Because we want to leave everyone with actionable tools, hope, and things that they can do. We've talked about mitigating some risk factors. What would you like to leave everyone with? I'd like to leave everyone with this. Please take action. Most of these processes are silent and invisible. And by the time you start to develop symptoms, you know, you're well on the way to some serious outcomes. So being proactive, this is one of those times when you are so richly rewarded. And don't let someone buffalo you into ignoring something that's important for your health. So if you have a family history of heart disease, you really need to be particularly vigilant because you may have a genetic predisposition to it. But please understand how you live your life, your lifestyle, and the environment you're in, how many toxins you're exposed to, like do you live near a factory or a source of diesel fumes, et cetera. All of these things accumulate and make that difference for your health. Please be proactive. Clearly, if you're here, if you're listening to Dr. Kieran and the good, wonderful work she's doing, the great stuff she does with the Hormone Club, then you're probably really dialed in and tuned in. Continue to take action because the person who has to live with the problem if, it, if this isn't what if you don't take care of yourself is you, no one else is going to be as deeply involved with that as you are. So you really have to be your own advocate and understand that the current medical system, it really isn't set up to promote health. It's there to manage disease. Yes. So well said. I love this quote that you shared with me about from Maya Angelou. We delight in the beauty of the butterfly, but really admit the changes it has gone through to achieve that 
beauty. I don't think I've heard that quote from her before and it's fabulous. And I think it speaks to this situation because so many women want to transform their health and they're looking for the one thing, the one super supplement, the one diet that's gonna fix mm -hmm. everything. And it really is a labor of love and very intensive, right, Dr. Bell? Absolutely. It is a labor of love. It's a labor of self-love, making sure that you can fulfill whatever you feel is your highest purpose and to live long and live well. We don't have to suffer as we age and as we get older, but we do need to be savvy. We do need to be informed about what's going to be our own recipe, our own secret sauce for the longevity and quality of life that I feel we all richly deserve. Yes. Thank you so much. I know you have the guide on how to improve your hemoglobin A1C and fasting blood sugar numbers and beyond for those people who are wanting to improve their blood sugar and decrease their risk for heart attack, heart disease, cardiovascular disease, including strokes. We will have the link in the show notes. Do you want to tell them a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So in that guide, you know, I, the information there is clear. and We talk about the big topics that affect it. Some of it would be things you would expect, like around nutrition and all. Some might be some things you may not know that some aspects of gut health, other things interact to really make that difference. You know, with our hormones being such powerful chemical messengers, they interact with all sorts of other things. And, you know, you have, just have to take charge and know that to be healthy is completely possible and to do it for a long time is also possible, but you got to get dialed into what's going to best serve your needs. It probably is not a one size fits all solution because there is no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for that wonderful resource and thank you for the work that you do and for sharing this important, very important information with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for letting me be a part of your mission here. Um, I really love that we are so aligned with helping people live their best lives. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Hormone Prescription Podcast with Dr. Kieran. I'm very grateful that you've taken time out of your precious day to spend it with us. Hopefully you have learned some information that's going to impact your life in a positive way. And I hope that you share that information with your loved ones. I hope to see you next week when we will talk about another topic related to women's hormones. Until then, peace, love, and hormones, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I know that incredible vitality occurs for women over 40 when we learn to speak hormone and balance these vital regulators to create the health and the life that we deserve. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you'd give me a review and subscribe. It really does help this podcast out so much. You can visit thehormoneprescription.com where we have some free gifts for you. And you can sign up to have a hormone evaluation with me on the podcast to gain clarity into your personal situation. Until next time, remember, take small steps each day to balance your hormones and watch the wonderful changes in your health that begin to unfold for you. Talk to you soon.